Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me this week, Lavender Gooms. Happy October, Bobby. Happy October to you, too. Finally joining us this week, Kid Presentable. You muted. Muted himself. Oh, pressing the right click and the left click can be a little tricky on a touchpad. It's episode 401. I did like last week was really a test of it to everything that could go wrong at once. When it was done, I was like, just tell me this thing didn't record and I'll just be the cherry on top of this thing. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just call it a day. Um, all right, boys and girls, we are in a weird place where it's not a lot's going on, straight up. Uh, we got people talking about, for some reason, Connor and Habib hosting tough. We're not, we're not talking about that. Um, and a bunch of fights between Chan guys who are two divisions apart. Fuck that. We'll talk about the fights that happens, the fights that are supposed to happen in the following weekend. And that's pretty much it. Um, Bellator's got a couple cards this weekend. I don't understand Bellator. Bellator is not good enough or deep enough. Good enough is not the right word. Deep enough to have this many cards. Last week should be a good example when you went from Paul Daly as the main event to two people nobody had ever heard of because somebody missed weight. Anyway, I digress. Um, Holly Holm, uh, Irene Aldana uh, went five rounds. Pretty much went the way uh, Steph described it was going to go, which was that Aldana had no answer for anything Holly Holm was doing. Um, Mark, you want to give us a breakdown of what happened? Yeah, sure. Um, This did go to the decision. I think probably a lot of people who thought Holly Holm was going to win, this would be the way it went. Um, But I would say it was more competitive. It was a more exciting fight than I thought it was going to be. And a lot of that was, you know, Holly Holm, I thought, looked better in this fight than she has in recent memory, at the very least. And, and I think that's because she had a dance partner that was willing to play and dance just the way she wanted to, which is basically Irene for all the toughness in the world. And you have to give her credit because this chick did not stop going forward. The whole fight, she went forward. Um, and unfortunately, while you know that's not the, the worst tack in the world um, to fight Holly Holm, she really needed to cut off the cage. She just basically let Holly Holm circle out the whole time and she was just playing catch up. Um, and Holly was able to land strikes repeatedly um she was able to get irene to walk into things uh a lot of her combinations landed better i think a lot of criticisms we've given holly home in the past and i i think it's just part of her fight plan for these is like you know sometimes she throws punches that don't really have a lot of conviction behind them that don't really seem like she's throwing them to hurt and there's definitely moments in this fight where she would you know throw out three four punch combinations and irene would put the guard up and that was more than enough defense that she needed but there was definitely times where holly tried to punch through the guard there's definitely times where she's you know sat down on her punches and really tried to you know uh, score some damage um and i think she also showed a lot of versatility with allowing irene to come forward and time some of her those exchanges to get takedowns and you know she was able to take irene down multiple times throughout the fight um, ultimately winning a, you know, a, a unanimous decision, winning every round. And, you know, a lot of the, the scubbub online that I saw was people giving Holly Holm a lot of 10, nine, uh, 10 eights in this fight. 
I don't really yeah. know if I was on. That was some I bullshit. I think I think maybe potentially the last round, but again, when you're kind of judging these fights, I mean, and I, I thought the same as you when I was watching it, Bob. I didn't really think there was a lot. I thought, of I thought maybe the last also. That was I, what I, I thought, thought too. And it's really because yeah. Holly went hard in the last minute. Like you can, it, it probably helped that she kind of does the uh, Winkle John method of. Not, well, Stefan mentioned it last time of not only the corner yelling out when she strikes, saying "Hey," but like Holly, and I mean, and this is a legitimate technique in, in, in the striking arts is to like kia or breathe out when you strike. Um, it's a way to control your breathing when you're striking. It's also a way to kind of like intimidate your opponent. Um, Holly Holm does it all the time. You know, she's always kiaing or, or exhaling. Um, but in, in it kind of, in I think that plays into the judges where she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, the, the, the corner. Gotcha. I said it last week. Their corner doesn't shut the fuck up. It's annoying as quite a bit. It's very annoying now that there's literally no other noise, quite frankly. But they don't, if like you get like a halfway decent, if the jab gets blocked, they still yell, good job, Holly. That's that's yeah, their strategy. I mean, that that's just. It, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't work. Good as, for them. Yeah, as a viewer, maybe gets annoying or you know uh, tiresome. But as a corner, I mean, look at it, it's it's another thing they can do to try to sway the judges. Oh yeah, of course. You know, the blame he says like, okay, you know, no more good job, no more reacting, just giving advice, you know, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Holly had a really great performance, you know, and, and I do think that had to do a lot with Irene. Uh, engaging in the fight and coming forward and we've seen in the past that's kind of the opponents that holly does the best with and, and that's why she looked so unbelievable against ronda rousey because ronda rousey's a bull you know she comes straight at you and she just ran into everything holly threw at her and irene was just super aggressive and again i i give my hat off because she was i think you know she's just so tough she took so many so many of holly's shots just straight on the chin and it did not deter her at one bit, she ate every punch and kept coming forward. Um, and I think a lot of it just had to do a, a, a lack of strategy here. You know, I, I think the, the whole strategy for Irene was to press the action, be aggressive, and try to engage Holly in you know a tactical boxing match. And that's just where Holly's the strongest. And if you don't cut off the cage, if you don't uh, limit the exits that Holly Holm has to circle out, then you can e e engage in you know in the pocket and throw punches. And I think in those instances, if Irene would have been able to trap Holly against the cage, I think Irene hits a lot harder. And I think that would have been a, a good strategy potentially to to try to to land that like knockout punch. But chasing Holly is just not the answer. Letting her circle out and letting her dictate when the offense is coming wasn't the answer. And Irene had no plan B. And it was just more of the same throughout the fight. So it was definitely a fight where, you know, after the first round, we kind of saw like, okay, Holly's dictating the stand-up. She's dictating when the exchanges happen. And whenever she wants, it seems like she can take Irene down at will. Um, you know, she wasn't able to really hold Irene down uh, super long. I think her best exchange was in the third or fourth round where she was able to get mount and did some decent ground and pound. But Irene was able to scramble out. So it was, it was I think, overall, good showing for Holly Holm. Um, it definitely, you know, keeps her at the top of the pack. Yeah. At the same time, I don't know. I mean... Does she get another shot at Amanda Nunes? Well, let's talk about what happened in the co-main event, and we'll talk about what happens with Amanda Nunes after that. But um, so the uh, the corner for Irene Aldana. Let me say what I did like. I did like that they told her she lost the round every time. Like you just lost that round. That's not fucking bullshit, people. What I didn't like was all they said was you got to be more aggressive, and I. My Spanish is okay, but quite frankly, I couldn't hear their corner because I the translator was talking over him. You got to give more advice than that, right, Steph? I mean, you got to give him something, like not just, hey, man, you lost. That's fine, and go get her. Like, well, that's not working. She's trying to go get her. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think last episode I, I was saying I was trying to walk back. I've been pretty harsh on that gym. Uh, but, you know, meanwhile, Grosso's coming off the biggest win of her career. Aldana got her first knockout. So, you know, I was willing to say maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misassessing it, right? Maybe. But then this fight is just another example. I just don't think they're a high-level gym. Um, like you said, there were no adjustments. You know, Mark said it was a good fight because Aldana kept walking forward, and that's literally all she did. She went in a straight line. She never once fainted to the side. It was always a straight line, very, you know, uh, you know, old 80s slasher movie. Jason, Michael Myers just, just keeps walking forward, but um, it didn't work out. It it. It was disappointing. Um, I'm a big fan of the fighters at Team Lobo MMA. I just don't like that camp. And this this un- fight was unfortunately just another case against them for me. I, I just don't yeah. think they're a high-level gym. Mike, you have any thoughts on that matter? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, Holly Holm is a very known commodity at this point. And if our lowly podcast is able to decipher that she does best against people that just come forward and give her opportunities to counterattack. Not exactly sure what the strategy was with this gym. Um, to your point, when that strategy wasn't working out for them, they really didn't offer any alternatives. Um, the fighter's job, obviously, they got to think some in the cage, but they're in the midst of it. They're in the thick of it they're not able to see the forest from the trees a lot of the times while they're actually in the octagon in the ring so it's up to the corners to help point them in the right direction um just saying you need to be more aggressive it's it's not enough for people that you're possibly giving you know 20 percent of whatever your purse is to so i i agree with you bobby and 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 stuff that considering this is their you know the highest profile fight for aldana um, I think she acquitted herself well, considering the circumstances, but I think the real indictment is on the coaches. Uh, co-main event was Jermaine Durandamy, um, against Juliana Pena. Um, technically I think it was the big boys, but. Oh, it sure was the big boys. Well, okay. So Mark, uh, you and I, I mean, you, but we are on the same page where we, we were on different sides of the picks, but we were like. You're going to know about a minute or two into this how this is going to go. Um, it took longer than that, but I also – I mean, let me put this out here right now. If you're one of the people who bet uh, Durandamy by submission and got plus 2,300, I mean, while this worked out for you, you need to readjust the alcohol and drug intake in your life if you're making bets like that. Um, but Marcus, it, my takeaway wasn't just that Jermaine has uh, like, evolved a little bit. Is like, I forgot how fucking reckless Juliana Pena is on the ground. Like, she just, she almost got herself in a Von Flu choke. And then, uh, what if she got hit with a guillotine at the end? Was that what ended yeah. it? Like, yeah. So, like, I mean, j- j- just my big takeaway is, first and foremost, this was a fantastic fight. Um, and kind of like what we alluded to and what you were talking about earlier, we thought early on we would know, you know, how this fight was going to go. Pena is it going to be able to take her down and dictate the fight there? Or she's not going to be able to and she'll have to stand with... Uh, uh, Jermaine and mostly the first round was all Jermaine. She knocked Pena down with her big overhand right. I think it was like almost the same punch she beat um, Aspen Lad with. Yep. 
Um, she landed that punch a couple times in that round. A lot of the first round was striking distance at distance, and Julia Pena was kind of just eating punches and, and losing that round until the very end of the round, where she was able to get in the clinch and got uh, Jermaine down. The second round completely shifted, where Julia Pena realized, like, okay, I need to be aggressive. I need to be the one pushing forward. And not only did she get the takedown early on, she also blitzed Jermaine with, uh, you know, just like a bunch of punches and landed some good clean shots because Jermaine was trying to exchange. Um, Pena was able to take her down. And like you alluded to, Bobby, most second round, Pena complete control on the top, doing some ground and pound, advancing positions until, oddly enough, she kind of went for a guillotine in the top half guard position, which is a very weird place to, to go for that. Sometimes you can, you can get a guillotine in the top mount position because you can arc your hips you basically aren't, con you know, you have control over their upper body. Um, half guard is kind of a tough place to do it, but she, you know, she had a pretty good squeeze in. Uh, Jermaine was able to reverse that position, and like you alluded to, Bobby, um, when Pena didn't give up that guillotine, when Jermaine got on top and was able to get to uh, side mount, there's a von flu choke there. And you know, I don't know how well versed Jermaine is, but she seemed to knew know it was there. And yeah, the she, was, round, she was going Pena for was it, fucking in that shit. And you can see in her face, she's like. Oh fuck! I'm getting choked. Did well, there was a, there was the announcers were like, we don't know if Jermaine knows it, but then all of a sudden she started doing what you need to do to get it. It was like, oh, okay, well, and more so on Pena's so face, you can see yeah. like, oh yes, this girl's she's being turning queen. purple. Yeah, <laughs> um, but she survived that uh, that submission attempt, and you know we go into the third round, and I think Pena, you know, got her down 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 again. I think Jermaine was able to get back up. It's kind of uh, you know blurry, but the the end sequence was basically they were in a clinch. I think it was actually when they were trying to get up, Jermaine got a super deep guillotine in. Basically, where she had, I mean, she almost didn't, she almost was able to finish it with just one arm. She got that guillotine in super deep. She dropped to the ground to finish it and um, have to give a lot of credit to the booth. I think uh, Dan Hardy and Paul Felder, and I, I forget who the other guy was, who the third guy in the booth was. They were on this shit immediately. They, they were able to quickly assess how tight it was. And when Pena went out, they called it pretty much instantly. Um, Herzog, not so much on it, not so much on it on this one because Pena was out, and the the boost like. Did you oh, think it was? Out. Did you think it was that bad for him? I don't know. I mean, it, I, was, it wasn't great because what I think what makes it bad is the booth called it, and they were right on top of that shit. As, as soon as Pena went out, they're like, "Oh, she's out." Jermaine fucking knew it. She looked at Herzog and was like, "This chick's not moving. You want to do something?" It took Herzog like another second there to be like, "Okay." Maybe I need to shake the arm. Shakes the arm. There's this girl's dead at this point. She's fucking dead. There's no shaking. And then you know she he finally calls the fight. So I mean, hey, look, it, Pena's fine. It wasn't like the worst thing in the world, but it it just it made it seem all the worse because the booth was fucking on top of it. A plus to those boys. Jermaine was fucking on top of it. She knew that she went limp. Herzog was kind of the last person in the dance to kind to kind of get there. He yeah, I mean, we, enough. But we've seen worse. Like, right. I think for I, when it came when it was over, I was like, I've seen worse. I've also seen better. I was like, and he's a pretty good ref normally. And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. he could have been. They were against the cage too. I was like, oh, okay. I and, mean, and I get a little bit of that. on top, it it is sometimes hard to see that moment where they stop moving. Um, but it was mostly like all the principles involved as me as the viewer watching. Everyone was keyed in on that thing being done, except for the ref. And look, it, Penny is fine, so no harm, no foul. Um, and hey, you know, maybe better to call it late when someone's unconscious than to call it early when they're not truly out. But regardless, Duranamine looked great in this fight. You know, her stand-up looked good. Takedown defense looked better, but still, that is the, you know, the Achilles hero, hero for her. But Ste uh, big one. Steph, um, we got...
you know, Juliana's only or Juliana's previous, I think it's her only previous UFC loss. I might be wrong about that, but the one that sticks out, her last loss was against um 125-pound champion Valentina Shevchenko. She got hit with an arm bar. Um Valentina was on bottom and arm barred her. I don't think people really looked at that one and thought this this woman has a problem with um submission defense. That fight plus what we saw last, you know, on Saturday night. What do you think? Do you think we got a case of just recklessness? Or what do you think? Um, again, I also I only caught the final round of it. Um, but from the highlights I saw is, I mean, Jermaine's good at stand up. She beats you up. She, you know, and I think a big factor in this with how the submission even played out is she was big. Train was oh, yeah. real, real bigger than her. She what just, I say, it was like a minute into the fight where I texted you guys. I'm like, oh no, she's so big. I made the wrong pick here. <laughs> so I think that's just part of it was because I think like the, the guillotine came off of a failed um, takedown attempt off of the clinch against the fence, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. It wasn't a full on attempt, but she was trying to grapple her. You know, it's just it kind of reminds me of what it looked like sometimes when uh, like when Jones got the choke on Leoto is. That was just a lot of limbs to take down and, and, and struggle with it. Um, in terms of pain, I, I don't have any great takeaways from it in terms of stuff. She just needs more reps. She has so many long bouts of inactivity. I just kind of forget about her. So it's hard for me to connect fights that are years apart with her. She just needs to keep fighting. You know, um, There's no shame in losing to Durandamy, one of the greatest uh, UFC champions in uh, well, I mean, women's history, but well, she said she wants. Uh, she's uninjured. She says I'm ready to fight again, and you know, God knows they're losing fighters every you know which way here. So if they can get her to fight again, you know, if she wouldn't you know, you're right. I mean, we don't see her enough at all. So it would be good for her, Mike. Um, Amanda Nunez is a new mother. Um, her and uh, her wife or partner uh, Nina Ansaroff uh, had a child like a week or so ago. So presumably she doesn't want to fight that quickly. Um, Holly Holm won. Jermaine Durandamy won. Uh, do we, you know, do it again, brother? Do we get ourselves a contender out of that fight? We let them fight each other and sort it out and see who gets uh, the honor of fight, fighting uh, Amanda Nunes again? Uh, hmm. what's their, funny first fight, that, their first fight was interesting. <laughs> now, what's funny is that considering that these two women have fought for the title at both 135 and 145, and Nunes is the champ for both of these, I say we go to a weird, screwy country and say, yo, Nunes, you fighting them both on the same day for both of your belts. But anyway, on to actual serious discussion. I mean, you passed over that pretty quickly. I, I, I'm in favor of that idea. I don't <laughs> think she is. I mean, if they offered her, you know, Amanda Nunes, if you offered her enough money, she'd be like, yeah, fuck it. I'll fight both of them. I don't give a I shit. mean, I think you just do it WWE style and you fight in between the weights and both belts are on the line. It's a double champ match. We, we, you, you go, no, you it's do two out of three falls. All match. You, you do two out of three falls. I remember this. It was like Angle, Benoit, and Jericho at WrestleMania. Angle had both belts. The first belt, the first fall or was like for one of his belts and the next fall is for the other belt. We do that. That's how we sort this out. Makes sense to me. Mark, go ahead, they just need to go to that country. I don't remember what we were watching, Mark. The one that was the team MMA. We need that multi-person oh, MMA match. Oh, it was called the one. What I saw was Russia. That was the one I saw. Yeah, I think it was the Russian one. Yeah, yeah. that's the one we uh, we watched. Um, Mike, your thoughts though on this? No, but I would be in favor in that because the... oh Jesus. No, 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 no. <laughs> not not to my crazy idea. Um, 
to the idea of a number one contendership fight between um between home and durandamy look the the first fight was was very entertaining when they fought a few years ago um obviously jermaine cheated a bunch it was great (laughs) yes she did she 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 for sure did but the stakes for this one wouldn't be as high wouldn't be for uh, a belt but you know in a 135 and one i guess in a 135 division where let's face it um there's not that much death um well, this let, is let me, mike let me tell you the rankings right now after amanda nunez it goes durandamy then home then aspen lad and then juliana pena i thought aspen lad Tore her shit. I could be mixing yeah, her up with I, something else. I, I was just about to tell you. The she also got knocked person, out. The number three person there who's coming off, I think, a KO loss and recovering from another blown uh, ACL. And the lady who just lost. And um, number four was Pena. Number five is Pennington, who Amanda beat her up so badly it was uncomfortable. Number six is Aldana. And then, okay, we're not talking about Ketlin Vieira or Yana Kunitskaya getting title shots. So, yeah. We might be no. out of options here, brother. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I would be in favor of it. Um, and I don't think Nunez is going to be out as long as maybe uh, we all think. Um, uh, between her and uh, her wife, um, she wasn't the one who gave birth. So um, it's She's not like she She's also talking ha- about retirement, though, bro. She's been talking about retirement before the kid was born. Do you mean, what do you think? I mean, I mean let me ask this. If she, if she does come back fast, I mean... You start talking about retirement. How many more do we got out of her? <laughs> I think this is a tactic to try to get more money. I mean, this is a, a time-honored tradition at this point now in the UFC. I mean, Connor's done it. Um, Cejudo has done it. Uh, GSP did it. So I think this isn't so much she doesn't want to fight anymore. It's she doesn't want to fight for the certain amount of money that she's getting paid. I mean, these are the contenders available to her, Mark. I mean, I know. I mean, if there's really a money play, they got to get her somebody to fight, right? Like, we can't just uh, have her beat up the same women over and over. Well, again. I mean, I, I that that's probably the angle I I take more from it is there's not a lot of like huge people coming up, new contenders. New I mean, there's guys. one person I want to see her fight. It's not a new fight. She fought her twice already, and she beat her twice. That's, that's, uh, that's the only one. That's the only one who's ever gotten really, anywhere with her. I really don't have much yeah. interest in that. So it's mostly new matchups because yeah, um, Jermaine, Holly, just don't interest me as much. Aspen Ladd, you know, she has to earn it. You know, she she did win a fight after she got knocked out. Um, and then Pena just lost. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of fresh contenders. And you know what? Honestly, and when Amanda Nunes talks about retirement, I think it's a smart move you know why why not end up on top you know as long as you know she has that financial means to continue on whatever endeavors she may have picked up i mean you know she's gotten some sponsorships and stuff um so if money's not a factor then you know you can be in this game too long you know and we get used to it because so many of these guys are in here for decades longer than they need to be and they just can't give up the drug but if you can have a clean break... Everybody stay tuned for the next fight we're going to talk about. Mark has really teased it right there with guys sticking around too long. Sorry, buddy. Sure. But I mean, and this, is, and this is even a different case, right? This is someone that has really reached the pinnacle of, you know, they're on top of the mountain. You know, Carlos Conant didn't really quite get to that um, level. But, um, yeah, you know, so, you know, when I hear a fighter that's double champion that is easily... Im- you know, encrunched herself as being like the best women's fighter of all time, I don't think that's debatable at this point at all. I, I honestly don't. So when you're at the top... 
I mean, how long are you going to stick around just to, to wait for someone to, to dethrone you? You know, why not, you know, um, leave on top? But I think that has a lot more to do, you know, with their drive. If there's any, but, you know, that's another thing, you know, may, maybe Amanda Nunes has accomplished everything she set out to because I don't think, and I'm not trying to put like, you know, ceilings on these women or anything, but like, I don't know if she ever thought like, I'm going to be double champ, the first and only women's double champion and just like wipe out the division. I'm sure she did. But now when you're here, it's just like, what more is there to prove? Just like dominating and ruling. I mean, she's over. defending both goddamn belts too, bro. Yeah, like, I, that's the impressive part. <laughs> I, I think there's been a couple male champions that I guess I've kind of done it, but for me, she really did it actively where she was jumping back and forth and not just like, okay, I'm going to be a 45er now or a 135er. So, you know, I, I think her accomplishments have speak for themselves. I think she's, you know, she's reached the highest peak of women's MMA that we've ever seen. Um, and look at, she can rain on that mountain as long as she wants, but I don't think it's a bad decision to be like, yeah, I've, this chapter of my life's over, and it's it's time to start the other one because, like I alluded to, some guys can't close that book, right? And and the ending of that book is a very different tale than they would have when they were on top. So you know, I think it's always better to, to leave when you've accomplished everything, you're still healthy, you still have your faculties in place, and financially, if you're able to support yourself, you know, why not? Uh, Steph, um, we're talking about a division. I mean, this is the division with contenders. <clears throat> I mean, we have another one with no contenders. I mean, this is going to come out of left field, but <clears throat> pardon me. Um, should they have uh, paid Cyborg? No. It's, a, it's the fact that this... I don't know what else to say at this point. No, with the I mean, I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying, Bob, but that's a one-fight solution. Um, that's 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 not a long-term thing. I've said this well. There doesn't need to be two divisions. Everyone who's a contender in the other division fights in the other division, too. You know? Yeah. Like, so it's not like we have this 145 to get new matches. The Cyborg one was it. Um, does For her legacy, does she maybe deserve a rematch? Sure, it wasn't close. Um, Cyborg, Nunez was better. So if, it, if it's the one fight that they all they ever have, I won't really go to sleep having any questions about, you know, would Cyborg have done better? Maybe it's, again, it was decisive enough that I don't care. Um, it's just not a division. So if Amanda retires, one of these divisions just folds. That's how I see it. Yeah. Um, all right. The other fight we did, we talked about and picked Carlos Condit and um, Court McGee. Old man Condit, old man McGee. I mean, this fight kind of went the way you thought it might go in terms of like, if you can just imagine how a fight between two, two, these two guys would go, it went. But the part that really stuck out, honestly, uh, Mark, is end of the first round where Carlos Condit invited Court McGee to the fucked up broken nose club. Um, and at the end had to look in his eye like he was a natural born killer all over again. Uh, he didn't look bad. Honestly, Condit, what'd you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that was the most significant strike, you know, of the whole fight. Um, and yeah, it, it, this fight was a kickboxing fight. You know, there was pretty much no clinch work. It never went to the ground. Um, and it was really just Court McGee not, able to figure out that puzzle of getting in the pocket and exchanging with Carlos. You know, Carlos kept on the outside. They exchanged a lot of kicks where I think Carlos is a little better suited there. And then, you know, in at the end of the second round, they finally kind of ex had a, uh, you know, sat in the pocket and exchanged a little bit. And most of those exchanges throughout the fight, when they did throw at each other, 
Condit was a little bit on the outside. You know, uh, Court wasn't quite in the pocket. He wasn't able to to land and reach significantly. And his only shots where he was able to land some good offense was when Carlos came in with with strikes that shortened the distance. When he came in with elbows and we, we started using hooks a little bit more, that allowed Court to get in range and, and land a few strikes here and there. But it was just never enough. You know, Carlos just... He ran this kind of like a, a Winkle John fight, much like we saw in the Holly Home fight. He mastered the distance. He... He was in control of almost all the exchanges. He got the cleaner shots. He got the decision win. So it, it, it was a, a good return to form. You know, we spoke last week about Carlos losing five fights in a row. A lot of people just thinking that, you know, you know, maybe it's time to hang it up. This fight didn't necessarily me- make me think like this is Carlos Conan of old. This guy's got a lot more left in the tank. But it definitely showed me that, you know, when he's not fighting the cream of the crop, he's still a competitive fighter. It's just a it's it's a question now of does Carlos want to do this because he loves the sport? He loves the competition and he knows maybe he's not going to necessarily be in contention of a title, but he just still wants to be active or maybe it's time to hang it up. I guess he's talking about rematches with Nate Diaz and I thought there was another rematch he was talking about Um, like big profile fights because I I think even in his own eyes, like, you know, the, the end's close, you know, a couple more fights maybe. So why not make them the biggest marquee fights that he can potentially get? Uh, a Nick Diaz fight would be unfathomable, I think, at this point um, for him to get that fight. But it makes sense for why he'd ask it. It's a big payday for him. Well, people are actually happen. That actually has been discussed a lot. Uh, Nick Diaz. I think they're just no one knows what Nick Diaz wants besides money. I'd I'd want new matchups. I mean, mostly with with Nick Diaz. I, I don't even know where he's at. His last couple ah, fights have dude, not been so great. I'm like hammering for him to get back in there, but to see a fight I've already seen before and have it play out, I think very similar to how it first played out. I'm just like, if I'm gonna get Nick Diaz, give me against my. Do you, do you, re- do, wait, do you really think? Excited. Do you really think they would fight the same way as the first time with nothing on the line? I don't, I don't think, think Carlos has it. Better. I don't think they've gotten better or younger. So I well, I mean, I think Carlos more. fought that way for a specific reason. I mean, I don't know. Not that Carlos doesn't want to win now, but I don't know. Carlos fought that way exactly one time in his entire career. I thought on paper that that would be interesting. I saw it and it wasn't. So oh yeah, I'd rather. I, mean, I was angry. I think at one, I don't know if it's going to be boring or not. That's exciting. If it's someone that's like he's going to fight Cowboy Cerrone. That might be exciting. I don't fucking know. It makes me intrigued. When it's a rematch of a fight that wasn't exciting, it's just like, well, I'm going to hope for the best again. It's just that doesn't get me excited. As a fan, I want to see a new matchup where I think some new shit might happen or a different outcome will play out. I think with Carlos Conant, I think Nick wins. I don't think it's super compelling. I'm not super interested to see it. Um, Steph, you got anything on this fight? I mean, my my takeaway at this point is I think Court Court McGee should get a job with the UFC when this is all said and done because I think he's – I don't know. I think he'd be a good example for the other fighters. Just um, sense. <laughs> yeah, just kind of echoing, like, I don't know what Carlos's sentiments are, but I just don't take away much from it. I think I said to you uh, after watching it, if Carlos isn't done, Court McGee, unfortunately, looks done. And so it's hard for me to take much from Carlos's win because the guy he was kind of getting off these kind of very pitter-pattery strikes on just looked incapable of fighting at this level anymore and that's against a guy that i also suspected of potentially being done so um you know it's it's it it might just be like a tip of the iceberg thing is and then if carlos fights any more credible competition it it looks terrible but you know he gets to do what he wants his name still carries some value right so maybe there's something exciting to be had for him you know put him against robbie i guess who's another guy right on the way out, um, you know, <laughs> the, fight like, that, the fight that ruined both. I'm mean, not ruined, but really ended both of their careers in terms of being 
top flight fighters. Look, no, no one's going to take Robbie down in that fight, but leave it to Carlos Condit to surprise you, right? Because Mark said, I couldn't believe you were remotely defending it, Bobby. That Carlos Condit versus Nick Diaz is why I'm not excited for any fight because I always know there's a potential that no matter how good well, okay. it sounds on paper, like that's why I, I find it indefensible, Bobby. That was the fight that broke it. That's like, I don't see, get for, excited see, about anything. Either. I mean, I was sitting next to you, man. We went to the movies after and I was still unhappy. Um, for me, Mike knows which which fight it was for me. And I don't know why I did. I, my expe- I mean, expect- I didn't even have expectations, but it was Anderson, Sylvia, and da- Sylvia, and Damian Maya because we're just awake. I mean, it wasn't even that early for us. We're on the East Coast. Well, it was like 11 a.m., 10 at 12, uh, 12 p.m. And we're like, this fucking sucks. Fuck all of this, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know. I mean, I get it. It's just, I, if they rebooked it, I would at least be like having it in my head. I mean, look, it was terrible. It was, I mean, in terms of me being disappointed about a fight, it's right up there with the other one. I don't know. If at this point, I would just like to see Nick Diaz fight anybody. That's really what it is. If they told me Nick Diaz was going to fight Joe Riggs in a hospital again, I'd be like, all right, man, let's, let's fucking do it, man. Like, I don't care. Let's get him in there. Bob, if I can chime in, I think you, you were leading Steph to a Court McGee thing that I wanted to yeah. sprinkle on because I think what you're alluding to is the Court McGee story, which we've talked about and which has. I, I mean, honestly, we were so harsh about this last week that I really want like, Court McGee existing in the UFC as long as he has, has, he has is a fucking testament to that. Dude. I mean, he, he's a fantastic, and I, and I say this with as much love and respect as anyone can. He's a fantastic journeyman. I think with the most incredible story and a little tidbit that they let loose on the broadcast that I didn't know. I, I knew that he had been like 14 days sober. That's his big story. This guy was, I mean, was he like addicted to crack or something? It was like a fucking heroin. It was, like, it was a heroin, I think. I think it was yeah. hardcore shit. Like this is the shit that it's the battle of your life to, to get off this. And, and I guess I did, I didn't really realize it when he says he's 14 years sober. I kind of think like, well, he hasn't had, you know, heroin or 14 years, but like this dude hasn't had any drugs and he's had seven surgeries. So he's not getting, any painkillers or any like or going under you know any of that shit so it's that was a fact i was like oh shit i didn't think about that that's fucking insane when you have knee surgery everyone gets doped up on your pills so you don't you're not in constant agony but court mcgee i think his story is fantastic i think the dude is has you know and and we often talk about on the show because we met him multiple times super nice guy you know you would never have thought he had had the challenges in his life as he had but you know i think when we're coming to the fight game and assessing him as a fighter Again, journeyman. Like I think he he can win those fights against the guys that you know aren't really contenders, aren't really moving the needle. And when it t- when it comes to you know the big name fights, he tends to lose those fights. I mean, he's basically the number fifteen. He was basically basically a number fifteen fighter in one of the two yeah. hardest divisions in the sport, though. Yeah, so and like and said, so- staying in the UFC is not easy. You lose a bunch of fights in a row. You have to get in here to, to stay relevant and stay in the game. And he's been able to do that. You know, he's never been able to string enough along where even a whiff of the title was even in mention, but he's done enough to stay around, you know, and he puts on compelling fights and he's a tough ass motherfucker. So, you know, hat goes off to him. Incredible story. Obviously, you know, I would hope that this is the kind of story that gets made into a movie or something. Cause I think court McGee is just that type of person that has fought, has already fought his toughest battles. So going in the cage and fighting these dudes is not, you know, any tougher than, the, the battle he had with a needle. So I think that's an incredible story. Yeah, I, I just th- I just think they could. Like, I mean, as they're looking at his record right now, and he's lost five of six. I mean, Mike, your thoughts on this too? But I'm just looking at this guy's record. He's lost five of six. He hasn't looked good. And if he want, I mean, I just think the UFC should give this guy a little rope because I also think at the end of the day, I think he'd be like a good guy to have around. He just seems like a quality dude, and he's see he's been in this fucking thing since 
was it 20 2010 10 years bob i think that's why uh he's not gonna be working for the ufc uh because when i think about this company i don't think of a lot of quality dudes uh so it's just forrest griffin i think of it's just forrest griffin dana's boys are the ones who get jobs uh after they retire at the ufc i mean then they lost them all except for court mcgee except for uh, forrest griffin Forrest Griffin, by the way, that Toyota Tires commercial. Excellent. The question really is, Bob, like, in what capacity does he? I don't know. I haven't talked to the. I mean, he most of ca- these guys that that get jobs outside of fighting, it's mostly commentators, right? And I, I, I haven't seen Court McGee break down stuff. Maybe he's a great commentator. Maybe dude, he whatever could do that. Whatever but, they pay Misha, Misha Tate to do to go places and promote this, like promote. Well, the Misha brand Tate worked for one FC, so well, what, what, you know what I mean. <laughs> whatever they were going to pay, I mean, before I mean, Chuck did nothing. What does what does Forrest Griffin do? Have, Forrest, have him do what Forrest Griffin does. I mean, Go around and promote I think the, the problem is that Forrest Griffin still very much com- commands that job. He's not going to let Court McGee come and take his job away from him. <laughs> so that's going to be tough. I don't know if Forrest Griffin needs an assistant. Maybe that's a good... You know what, man? Open a UFC gym in Utah. I bet there's not you know, one there. Put his I, name I, on a UFC gym. <laughs> I honestly do hope that whenever Court hangs it up... Because let me tell you, man. Pardon, pardon for interrupting. But let me tell you. BJ Penn's name is on a UFC gym in Hawaii. And you know how much of a goddamn BJ Penn mark I am. But motherfuckers get losing bar fights and shit, and he's falling apart. Court McGee, despite his past struggles, the man's a, like, you look at this man as a success story, and I putting his name on something would be great, I think. I know I'm really going to bat here for Court McGee, but I, that's what I've decided I'm going to do about UFC 20 minutes ago. Court McGee in Utah is going to, like, really draw a bunch of people. I don't think he has the BJ Penn name, <laughs> but I agree with you, Bob. I... Whatever happens, whatever next chapter in Court McGee's life it is, I only wish him the best of luck and the most success because dude's obviously earned it. I hope he got a lot of fucking residuals from that watch company. Shout outs, uh, shout outs to Condit for uh, breaking a five year, uh, you know, five years without a win. Yeah, um, you know what, man? Carlos Condit was nice to me too. That's my measuring stick here with these fighters, guys. You're nice to me. I'm on board. You're nice to me five times like Court McGee. I think you deserve a job for life. Just uh, very quickly. Because uh, I think we've, uh, you know, we've hit the point pretty well. But for a man who could probably reach as low as any of us can reach, being, you know, addicted to heroin, to being moderately, you know, successful in a profession like MMA and being moderately famous, because, you know, four schmucks on a podcast are, are talking about you. That's uh, pretty impressive. And um, to talk about Utah very quick, I learned this weekend from my niece. You can't get a lap dance at a Utah surf club. Why did you I mean, know that? Why did your niece have to be the one that told you that? And why did we have to broadcast that it was your niece that told you that? <laughs> why is that important? <laughs> this is a weird relationship, Micah. It makes me think of, like, <laughs> Uncle Mike, I can get so okay. much more money at my job. All right, hold on. <laughs> I just realized, I just realized some explanation is needed. Yes. I just realized that. <laughs> Let's start with this. Mike has family that lives in Utah. Among them, his niece. Mike, yes. continue. <laughs> okay. I rea- I realize, looking at you guys, a gas look. I need to explain this a bit. Um, she, <laughs> For her senior seminar class at school, she's interviewing sex workers in Utah. And that's one of the things she learned about. Today I learned there are sex workers in Utah. And her takeaway is this is not a profession she wants to pursue, correct? She, the takeaway is that's not a lifestyle that is glamorous. And, uh, her next thought is Uncle Mike needs to hear about my findings. Well, she was telling me, like, oh, I have to go interview some women at a strip club. And I made a joke saying, well, let me give you a pro tip. Don't get a lap dance because the glitter is very hard to get out. 
Nice. She laughed and said, well, there's actually no laps, lap dances allowed in Utah strip clubs. And I'm like, then what the hell is the point? Gentlemen of Utah, use the internet. Sorry <laughs> to cost money for the young ladies of U- Utah and their profession. Um, I don't know why we even got there, but all right. Um, couple news notes. Looks like we lost Usman and uh, Burns again for a few months. They were going to be on UFC 256, which I want to say is the December card. Because I think we hit 254, right? Yeah. Alrighty. Um, Peter Yon, uh, Aljamain Sterling said he'd like to fight Peter Yon on that card now. Um, I, I feel they should book that fight either way, sooner rather than later. That is yeah, the title fight know. to make at 135. And Burns deserves that title shot against Usman. It, lo- it looks like, um, Usman might have gotten hurt or something. They're going to fight in January or February instead. Um, uh, Dana's talking about Khabib versus Tony Ferguson because the coronavirus. Shutting down the last this last time of doing it wasn't enough for the man, so we're gonna just you know what other disaster can cause the stoppage of that fight? What's Is that the one? assumption that he wins against Jade, uh Justin, or they just don't give a fuck if you win or lose him in? Tony I think somebody Tony. asked him. I think somebody asked Dana. Dana, like, oh maybe but, 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 you know he's he's bullshit. Like we'll see. Basically, um, Justin versus Khabib is gonna be great, and just in a sense that I'm gonna convince myself it's gonna be closer than it is. Um, and then the last one, and I really liked hearing this, um, Cowboy Oliveira, old man Cowboy Oliveira said, hey, you, I'll fight, uh, I'll fight, uh, Kazmat or Kamzat, uh, Shemaev or whatever, the one who nobody wants to fight who's killing people. Uh, sure. He said, nobody wants to fight him. I'll fucking fight him. I appreciate that. <laughs> I just want to say for Alex Oliveira, who I normally give a lot of shit to, somebody has to fight the guy. He said he'll fight him. I'd like to see it. Um... All right, we're going to pick some fights for this card this coming weekend. Um, we got a card headlined by Corey Sandhagen and Marlon Moraes, which uh, Corey's not the biggest name out there, but this is going to be a fucking barn burner. Um, this, for me, is very much, in terms of my interest in this card, a one-fight card. It gets very questionable after that, in my opinion. Um, I mean, Edson Barboza chopping a dude down with leg kicks is always exciting, so I'll enjoy that, too. But uh, Marlon Moraes, um last time we saw Marlon, who did he fight even? Was it Aldo? His fought since Aldo. Yeah. Huh? Um, we kind of have learned something about Mar- uh, Marlon in the sense that we kind of learned that he, as exciting and great as he is the first couple rounds, that shit tapers off a little bit, um, stamina-wise. Uh, Sandhagen, on the other hand, uh, Corey Sandhagen, had, before his last loss to Aljamain Sterling was on a fucking tear. Um, he'd won seven straight fights against like serious people. He beat uh, Yuri Alcantara, John Lineker, and goddamn Rafael Asuncao. So when Aljamain Sterling put him down in a minute and a half, that's when we knew Aljo should get a title shot. Um, coming into this one, Steph, is Sandhagen the favorite? Uh, he is. It's almost a coin flip, but Sandhagen is the slight favorite at minus 135 to plus 115, Marlon Maurice. Um, what are they all? What, what are our uh, standings now? Is Mark just insurmountably beating, beating all of our asses now, Mike? Is that where we're at? He is. I can't even pronounce that word. They just said, yes, he is beating our ass right now. Um, he's gained another game on us. Jesus he Christ. <laughs> He is 60 and 25. You are 51 and 34. Okay. I am now just one win behind you at 50 and 35. And Kid Presentable is bringing up the Presentable rear at 46 and 39. 
It's okay. People are ass men. Stefan's presenting for all of them. Steph, why don't you uh, decide what order we pick these fights in? I'm going to go first because we're going to keep it weird. I'm going to take Marlon because, I don't know, Sanhagen, maybe he's impressive. You r- rattled some names, but a lot of those guys are names who didn't look so great in their last several outings either. Um, Aljo aside, because uh, Aljo, you know, he's the champion in waiting. He got jumped in line for that title fight, among other people. But, um, yeah, take Marlon. Um, he's a front runner, but Corey's the kind of aggressive attacker that might run into one of Marlon's counters. So Marlon's going to win this in the first round or lose later. Um, yeah, he is a front runner, but okay. Anyway, Steph, you were going to pick who's going to pick next. So go ahead. Mark, he's the champion. Tell me why I'm wrong. We should make Mark pick first all the times until someone's within three of him, just for the sake of competitiveness. <laughs> Mark, go ahead. Honestly, this this is a tough matchup. Um, it, that, the betting line is a, the way it is for a reason. This is yeah, a very hard one to call. I have been really impressed with Corey. Um, you know, he's a lengthy guy for the division. I think he he's tactically very sound, and, and, and I think Bobby did a great job setting the table on this one. You know, th- this fight is tough to call because these are really two top contenders. Um, with very few losses, and those losses only being to the best of the best. Um, I'm going to go with Marlon as well. I, I really have high hopes for Corey, and I definitely think this is a fight he can pull it off. I think even though he hasn't had any main event fights, I I kind of see him as a fighter that could go five hard, and if Marlon definitely goes hard in the first and, you know, his gas tanks, you know, light on those fourth and fifth rounds, I think that that could potentially be a strategy. Um, I just like Marlon. He's really explosive. He's really dangerous. Um, and maybe he kind of learned from Aljo that, like, you know, maybe if, he, if you come out hard against Corey in the beginning, maybe you can catch something. I don't know. I, I, it is it is a, a, a I mean, point. Marlon's terrifying in the first, like, four, five minutes or six minutes of a fight. Marlon is goddamn, like, he remember he was pummeling Henry. Henry survived it, but he was beating the shit out of Henry Cejudo. Yeah, and the only reason why I think Corey has a decent shot here is he has fought heavy hitters in the past and has done well against them. You know, he fought Lineker and he beat him by split. Um, and he fought a Sun Sao who you know can you know can carry some heavy weight too. So it's a really tough fight. Um, I'm going with Marlon, but I'm not super confident. I definitely think Corey can pull it off, and I kind of hope he does. I think you know he has some star in him. I think he's a really fun guy to watch, but tough fight. Yeah, this is but this is gonna be good. Like, this is, on paper, going to be a good time. Um, Staff, who's next? I mean, I, I, I don't think it really matters whether uh, Bob or you or Mike go next because I feel like this is the move where both of you be contrarians to Mark to try to make up ground, but really you're just getting further behind because uh, unless one of you is not taking Sanhagen. Speak, Honestly, speak I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. I, I was going to pick Sanhagen no matter what because I actually do think – this is honestly my logic. This is a goddamn coin flip. Really, this is the betting line is the way it is for a reason, Steph, but I've never seen him get knocked out, so it hasn't happened yet. He's young. Uh, he's coming off of a loss, hadn't lost in a very long time. I think he's uh, part of a good team, that Elevation Fight Team. He's going to show up in shape, you know, so I'm, I'm going to go with Corey. I'm, I, th- I think we saw Marlon's best, and it's still very, very good, but I think Corey's right up there, so I got Corey. Mike? I, on the other hand, am not picking Corey Sandhagen because Mike is only for second place. Has... <laughs> Mike is trying to get second place locked up. <laughs> he, he's like, I can't win one of these. I can get second two or three times. <laughs> While I think Morass is a uh, is a monster in the first no round, no denial, no and denial. Will likely will likely win this fight in the first round. You got to pick your spots when you're laying your nuts on the line, and this is one of those fights. All right, 
I'm going Sandhagen because I still got three months to make up uh, space against I, Mark. Did you wait? Okay, I feel I might have bullied you into this just now. No, no, <laughs> because when Steph was going on this spiel, I started to smile because like Steph hit it right on the money. Honestly, Mike, I was gonna start it off by saying, "Mike, let's do it," and then I was gonna pick Sandhagen. <laughs> Yeah, man, I think, honestly, this is going to be awesome, though. These top two fights, and the second one, I don't think so much is going to be competitive. It's really tipping my pick here. But I think in terms of excitement, it's going to be exci- it's gonna be good. Um, co-main event. I mentioned, uh, I think it's going to be one-sided. Edson Barboza. The man who, when the fight's over, you just feel bad for the other guy. Um, taking on Mr. Finland himself, Makwan Amir Khani. Um, last time we saw Amir Khani who was born in Iran, so I'm still picking against his ass. I don't care, because it's not going to go well for him. Um, he just beat Danny Henry. Um, he Before that, he lost to Shane Burgos. Um, straight up, they've never given Makwan anybody on the level of Edson Barboza. But in fairness to him, he is 6-2 and two in the UFC, so let's see what the fuck he's got. Um, Edson Barboza, I feel, has been in the UFC since he was about 19, and he's 34 right now. Um, last time we saw him... He lost a split to Dan Ige. Straight up, Edson's losing a lot of fights. Um, he's lost three straight fights. After getting one of those was a knockout to Gaethje. The last two were splits. I don't think he lost to Paul Felder, but that was a close one too. Um, Steph, you want to pick the order of who? I mean, I already did it. Mike, you want to pick who the order is? We're picking these fights? Yes. And I will go first because... No. I'm not gonna pick against Barboza in this fight, even if um even if Mark were to pick Amir how the hell do you say that name again, Bobby? Makwan Amir Khani. I'm gonna call him Amir. Cause I don't want to butcher his name. Well you, know? you, you you what you did is you took his last name and only took half of it. Why don't you call him Makwan? Ma Makwan? Yeah, go with Makwan. Makwan. Alright, Makwan. Um even if uh Mark picked Makwan, I um I'm gonna pick Barbosa. I wasn't gonna go God, I really stumbled on that Dave. Mike, you're um, hitting the Mac you're hitting the Mac in Macwan real hard. Like you're like Macwan. I am you know what? I'm I'm flustered. I'm just gonna pick Barboza and Bobby, go ahead. Yeah, I got Barboza too. I I mean I'm I think Amerikani's a good fighter and all, but I've never we never seen him tested on this level. And I don't know if there's anything I've seen him do so far. Because he's got a lot of sub submission wins, and that's the way you're gonna. I mean, he's the best chance of beating Barboza, but I just don't think he's got that skill set to pull this off. Mike, can you can you pass it to the next person? Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I got I got a case of the uh, the giggles now, uh, Steph. Uh, why why don't you go? Um, I was leaning to make it interesting in picking Amir Khani. Um, Edson's one of the bigger favorites on this card. Are you pretty hyped for it, Bob? But, I mean... I like all of Edson's fights. I mean, to me, you're talking about Edson, but, like, he slowed down massively in that Ige fight. He lost a split decision where Dan Ige did not look good. And by, you know, by contrast, Edson didn't either. Edson's had a lot of wars, and he's not young. So he's one of these guys. I think when the drop-off happens, it's going to be sudden and violent. Um, That much, that said... Amir Khani gives me no picture in my head whatsoever. He's not a guy who's been memorable besides, you know, 
He's you know, very has, handsome. Besides sharing an ethnic point of origin with your body, therefore you care about him. Um, well, uh, he's very handsome. His nickname, Mr. Finland, becomes comes from the fact that he got second place in the Mr. Finland pageant, which, by the way, if you got second place, you're not Mr. Finland. You're just stealing that other dude's name who beat you. But nonetheless, he's a very handsome man. That's his redeeming quality. Well, I believe that's like the fun fact of world's strongest men. Mark Henry actually came in fourth in that competition, but <laughs> don't let that mess with the gimmick. Um, but like I said, none of that paints a picture of who he is as a fighter. He's not been a lasting memory. Um, um, I, you know, uh, this will be my I told you so if uh, Edson loses. It's, he has too much mileage. I don't really know who the other guy is, so I'll stick with the 260 favorite in Edson Barbosa. Pressing question for this fight. Does Amir Khani come out to return of the Mac? And Mark, who do you have in this fight? Is it going to be a sweep? Uh, yeah, I, what he comes out to, I don't I know. I didn't know he had like a theme going. I, I guess no, my, my, my Mike is making a Mac joke. <laughs> okay. I mean, unless it's Little Mac from Punch Out. No, I'm going to say Wayne Lee. Wait, there you, is you guys not know the song Return there, of the Mac? No, there is. The thing I, that you don't realize is there is a fighter whose regular walkout song is that song. Oh. And I'm should, also he should not be allowed to use it. That should be in the only purview of Macwan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I am going with Edson. Um, I think you guys laid the case out pretty well. You know, I, I think when you really just when you look at all the losses, it's you know it's concerning. But you look at those names and it's like, well, that's fucking cream of the crop of probably like one of the most competitive divisions in the sport that's been in the sport. One fifty five has always been fucking best of the best. Some of the best fighters of all time have come through that division. Um, this guy's fought a lot of them. He's been losing to them, unfortunately. Um, but it is hard, like Stefan said, you know. Um, Makwan doesn't leave a big impression. I've definitely seen him fight. And I think the biggest impression is when he fought in Sweden and they were hyping him up as Mr. Finland or whatever, and then he lost. And it was like, okay, well, all that hype you built up just went out the window. So um, I'm going with Barboza. I do think Makwan's best strategy here is to get it to the ground. Obviously, you look at his win-losses. A lot of those are subs. But you also look at who Edson's fought. These fucking killers and the dude's only been subbed twice so it's like is that a very strong avenue to go down to it doesn't seem like a lot of other people have been able to catch barboza and the guys that have have been really slick guys like uh ferguson and even cerrone when he's on the ground that dude can be very slick with his submission so i'm going with barboza not super confident in this one it's a tough pick all right um is that all of us now seth did you make your pick yet everyone did, okay. did. um final fight we're gonna pick we're going we're gonna to talk about the big boys. Uh, sorry, my neighbor just made the whole building shake. Um, ben Rothwell, Marcin Tybora, Big Ben fought OSP in his last fight and said, I didn't look good. And that was shortly after we all said, he didn't look good. Um, he's coming off a of two straight. Before that, he beat uh, Stefan Struve. Marcin Tybora um, has won two straight against nobody any you guys remember. Sergey Spivak and Maxim Grishin. Um, this is uh, Marcin's second Fight Island fight. And uh, this is Ben's first time fighting on Fight Island. Betting odds for this one, Steph? Uh, we got Big Ben as the slight favorite at minus 165 to Tybora's plus 145. just want to say I gave everybody an out here and I said, tell me if you don't want to pick this fight. And nobody said a goddamn word. And now I wish I didn't bring it up. Um... Mark, I'm going to go ahead and let you pick. Can always, gonna, uh, gonna pick can always still bail on it. 
No, it's too late. We're committed. Mark, who uh, who's big? What's the order here? Yeah, uh, it's tough. Um, I'm gonna favor Ben. Um, I agree. No. Well, I meant pick who. I mean, you can pick first if you uh, want. Okay, well, I said I'll, yes. I'll pick first. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. I'll pick first, uh, and I'm gonna go with Ben. Um, not a lot of strategy here. The guy's been, you know, he's rattled off a couple wins, but he hasn't looked impressive, like you guys noted. Um, and Marcin just hasn't really left much of an impression. I'm, you know, he's coming off two straight wins. It looks like maybe he's corrected chip because before that. His last five fights, he'd won one of four. So it definitely seems like he's on the right track now. Um, I think Ben's a tough out. He's not an easy fight. He makes it ugly, um, and he tends to get those fights. So I'm going to go with Ben in this one. Um, but again, not super confident. Don't have a lot of data backing this one up. Um, but Steph, why don't you tell me who you got? I'm going to make it interesting and take Tybora. Um, Ben, I like I like Big Ben. I love I love the dude. He he's nice. He actually had very reasonable uh, stance on uh, Black Lives Matters, which is a very rare thing in the UFC community. Uh, well, I mean, he was also watching Kenosha get torn down, and you know, and all that stuff. And he had to, he had a reasonable opinion of everything. So, um, yeah. But he's looked awful. Uh, that that OSP fight was really bad, and everyone was like, "What is OSP doing at heavyweight?" And he still didn't look good. Uh, the Stefan Struve is one of the most tainted victories in the history of MMA to me. Uh, the rub is in for Tan Dan on that one. Struve really shouldn't have continued after the nut shots from hell. But um, yeah, Rothwell, I-, I like him, but he hasn't looked great. Um, Tybora is the younger heavyweight, shockingly enough, in this fight. So um, youth wins the day to me. Nice. And to make it interesting, let's... Hmm. You know what, Bobby? I kind of want Mike to get a shot here. Bobby, why don't you tell us next? So, Mike, be tactical. Make a smart decision. So, Bobby, go. Um, I'm taking Big Ben, and I got a little bit of reason to it. Um, One, it's his birthday, so I think he's going to get all hyped. His birthday is on the 17th. He's going to be real excited. No, um, honestly, Marcin lost to a lot of bad people. Like, I mean, bad is not fair, but he got lost to Shamil Abdurrahimov. That's not good. You know, he lost to, uh, you know, Tim Cop Mustache Johnson. That's not good either. Augusto Sakai ain't that good either. And the guys Ben loses to are pretty good, quite frankly. Arlovsky, Blagoy, Ivanov is, you know, unkillable. Um, Junior Dos Santos, Gonzaga, Mark Hunt, Kane, Arlovsky. I'm going back to 2008 now. He doesn't lose to a lot of bad people. I know you say and, that, Bob, but you just said so many names. So whether their names or not, the lost column is large. Yeah. Um, well, the man's got 50 fights. What do you want to do? And he's... I Look, I just... If Tybora was young or I'd seen something in one of these fights for me to think, oh, yeah, Marcin's going to do this to him. But, you know, he's he's going to get towered over to... Actually, no, not really. Marcin's kind of tall. I, I just think Big Ben is... He's 38. He's still got a little bit left in this weight, in this weight class. It's heavyweight. And Marcin, you know, Ben was a cop contender. Marcin was never even that. So I go Ben. All right, Mike, you're going to split. Is this where you make a tactical, tactical decision or do you play it safe and go with the rest of us with Ben? I guess Steph, did Steph, did you say Marcin? Did you make it interesting? I did, man. I, I got nothing but making it interesting the rest of the year, man. I'm just I'm just having <laughs> okay. fun, guys. I'm just having fun. Stefan has done this for me. He's already made it interesting. You don't have to pick Marcin to do the fun. Not everyone picks Ben wrongly when he loses. But do you have the cojones to pick Buck, 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 buck. You're muted. <laughs> 
Give him a second while he gathers himself. Episode 401. There we go. There's our big boy, Mike. What you got? Um, Yeah, so this ain't a game for me. You know? I'm not out here just (laughs) playing around. Um, I look at this fight, particularly I look at my computer screen and see that both you and Bobby picked Rothwell, so obviously I'm picking Tybora. Got to do it. Got got to make the, the the lead way here. So, all right, I think that does it, Bob. We did not. There was no other garbage on this card. We decided to throw some and, chips at. I'm honestly normally I'll just list some interesting fighters on the card, and it's just like I see some names, but like I remember being interested in Tom Breeze one time. This looks like a whole bunch of like it's like you're booking like a bunch of like uh, dark matches. You got like local jobber versus UFC fighter on a lot of these. And, and, and you're flying uh, these guys out to Abu Dhabi for this shit. If this was some Las Vegas shit, I'd be like, all right, that makes sense. But well, I mean, I hope some of them live nearby, or like they couldn't get them. Yeah, they're speaking, probably uh, speaking to the fact that they're at quote unquote Fight Island. You know, when I didn't think there was an actual octagon near the beach, I'm like, yeah, all right, sure, sure, it's just marketing. But I've seen that octagon near the beach, all right? I saw Angela Hill, you know, doing some some shadow boxing in that octagon. Before we leave Abu Dhabi for the last time, whenever that is, we need to have a full card done at that outside venue. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Well, I- I mean, next week we got um, Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. That's interesting. That's going to be a banger. That's next week. It's going to be a banger. Um, And, you know, we got a whole bunch of question marks on this card, too. But, you know. It it jumps off a fucking cliff after that. But that is a cliff to jump off. Well, I mean, you know, Jessica Andrade and Caitlin Chukasian is pretty good, too. That's not a bad one. I didn't see that one. Well, that's that's in the announced but not confirmed section on Wikipedia. (laughs) It's a little bit. I don't understand what's going on there, to be honest. But yeah, it's whatever. Honestly, these last few months, you look at these fight night main events. I'm like, if you put all these together, it'd be a good base for a main card with a title fight on top. I see the name Saeed Nurmagomedov. Are they related? Is that a common well, name in the caucuses? Of, uh, uh, he is. He's part of the you know warlord paid for team too. Um, let me see. I think it looks like he's related. Honestly. I, I just figure, you know, it's one of those uh, things. It's like um, uh, in basketball, though, the NBA, there's a couple Bogdanovich players. They're not related. Apparently, well, Bellator, a common last name in Serbia. Bellator also signed um, one of Khabib's cousins, though. They said, like, they announced it was one of his cousins. It was like 6-7-0 or something like that. Um, where were we even? Where were we fucking going? How did we get here? I just said there was Aid <laughs> Nurmagomedov on the card, and I was just like, is he related? Yeah, that card. That card. Then a week after that, I think is October twenty fifth. We get twenty uh... fourth. Yeah, that's the big boy. Oh, twenty fourth. Well, I think the time difference is a thing here too, one way or the other. But that's the early card, the October twenty fourth one. That's the one where the pay per view starts at like eleven a.m. our time. Fun fact: I'm taking Justin Gaethje against the greatest fighter of all time. And if Bobby wants to get on this train, he's copying me. Yeah, because it's not like I've you know been on the Justin Gaethje train since he was fighting at a fucking rec center in no, Colorado. Steph that is, that is like, watch that this is World Series of fighting. Watch this Gaethje kid. He's the best kid. Look out. I, I definitely didn't spend months saying you guys watch World Series of fighting. I thought, no? I thought you were the one that jumped on the bandwagon. You're like, oh, this Gaethje kid. No, I'm just joking. I've yeah. always been calling this guy out for it's not, yeah, it's not like I was like, you guys see him? There's about 14 people there, but he leg kicked the shit out of this guy. <laughs> yeah, and I've been call- I was calling uh, Habib as the uncrowned champion for many years, but I like to do that WWE thing. Thing, where as soon as they're the champion, I'm predicting the next one. Um, 
Man, Bellator's got some shit coming up. This and uh, but let me just mention it before we do stuff we like. Uh, Bellator's got two cards in France. Um, we got may one of them is main evented by uh, Manuel Newton versus I'm not Manuel Newton. Sorry, Michael Venom Page. Manny Newton is not making his return to Bellator. Don't worry, guys. Um, MVP is taking on you know MVP man. He said he wants to fight some real competition. We got to get him out there with some people that, you know, we know, not just, you know, guys we've never heard of before. So who do you think he's fighting, guys? I want the yeah, Paul Daly rematch. I like wrestling Paul Daly. It's fun. He's taking on Ross, the Hitman Houston, who is a Scottish fighter who's 8-0. He's 8-0. I honestly thought uh, you were going to say Ross Pearson. Uh. Dude, I would, I would love that. What's Ross Pearson up to? He'll fight MVP. That'd be competitive. Um, the rest of that card is nothing. Um, they're also they're in Paris, France, so you know you got to headline the other the other main event with the you know the star, and that's Czech Congo. That's right. Czech Congo is taking on Tim Johnson. This is Congo versus Johnson two. You know because we had to run it back, brother. Nobody here remembers what happened in the first one or saw the first one. I These will, cards are. I will wager there was an illegal nut strike. I hope you're right, but I also... I mean, did look, there not, definitely was one. Bob, Let's did, be clear, did, there did was one. Did you not one. watch that fight live? Czech Congo versus Tim Big Johnson? Oh, I didn't forgot about it. That's right. Was that in, was that in the UFC? Was that not the fight at the uh, Prudential Center? I wasn't at... Oh, no. This was also... They fought in Bellator. I'm reading it. They fought in Bellator two years ago, where Tim Johnson got knocked out by Czech Congo. Oh, but he definitely took he definitely took a get kick, get kick stuff. On, I, let's be honest. I do want to throw this out here, too, since we're, we're spending way too much time on Bellator. My man Melvin Manhoff's gonna fight in there. Where, where's Melvin's name? I oh, miss Melvin. Man. He's getting that curtain. He's jerking it open for you. Uh, Manhoff's still in there. He's a little Tyson guy. I and mean, he's actually, I've looked at his record because I was like, this guy's still fighting. He won his last two fights. So, all right, he's doing something right. Uh, Melvin's 40 fucking four. Jesus, Melvin. We watched him lose somewhere when we got press credentials. Fresno, maybe? Oh, we watched him win. I thought did we win? You watched him win because we were like, "Do you want to talk to him at the post fight conference?" Like, now nah, we got we got a long ride home. Look, sounds correct. Stephon Fresno, he did win. That's true. Mark. We did we did redeem ourselves. Stephon Mark and I did go to a press conference for Bellator. But yeah, but that's how <laughs> that was the last time I went to Bellator. I couldn't couldn't yeah. show up after that. Um. <laughs> All right, let's do stuff. Yo, off. I had too much real shame. Real quick, not for nothing. Do you guys realize Czech Congo only has two losses in Bellator? One of them is Ryan Bader. Well, that was no, he... that that got turned into a no contest. So technically, only two losses. <sighs> okay, sure. <laughs> it's only two losses. I mean, how old is Czech Congo now? Forty something. Uh, forty-five. I... Fuck me. All well, right, he's forty-five. Damn, son. Yo, black really don't crack. This man looks. He looks thirty. Jesus. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, he had, he hadn't lost since he lost to King Mo. King Mo done retired. Um. Wow. Anyway, um, let's do stuff we like this week. Um, I'll go first. Uh, watched NXT Takeover. Um. Well, I skipped around it, but I was watching NXT Takeover, and I thought. That uh, I mean, Steph watched it too, so please feel try feel free to chime in, sir. I thought that uh, Gargano really made Damian Priest look good because that was the most interesting Damian Priest match I've ever seen. 
And I thought that Priest is a bad wrestler. I just never cared about him. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, when I first saw him, I, I was really making fun of his gimmick name where he's the Archer of Destiny. And I saw this man's walkout. That man shoots like eight fictitious arrows over the course of his walkout. There are so many him turning back to the Titantron, shooting an arrow and some type of effect happening. I'm like, this man is really hammering that point home. Uh, he challenges the Finn Balor, uh, or he at least gains entry to the Finn Balor Undertaker. Why the fuck is this entrance so damn long? Uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, but it was a good match. Uh, Johnny Gargano is about as tall as either me or Stefan. There's no way he's taller than that, which means he's real short. And he made Damian Priest look about nine feet tall, Steph. That was what I thought most of the match, oh, too. Yeah, and, and he's got that long, like, old man body. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there were pectorals a decade ago, but now it's just kind of... It's like I think Kofi all- Kingston chest now, where it kind of is a little concave over the years. He also, like, wears, like, the Kevin Nash pants, the Diesel pants, and, like, giant leather pants. He looked huge. Long story short. Um, that was a good match, though. Um, Kushida and Velveteen Dream... We'll get into the Velveteen Dream stuff, but it's just not comfortable watching him fu- wrestle. A lot of it is because of how sexual his character is, too. It's just real uncomfortable the whole time. But Kushida's real cool. I told Mark That's... about it. Uh, Kushida is Marty. He's Japanese Marty McFly. And uh, Velveteen Dream decided to come out as Doc Brown for some reason. Um, that was fun because it was kind of a squash match, which was interesting. Yeah, Dream sells really well, and give him credit there, too. Yeah, like, it was just nice. I, I've been wondering where Kushida was this whole time because... I, you know, I caught him a few times in New Japan. Um, I, I, I enjoyed his whole time traveler gimmick uh, as a pro wrestler. Um, and then he was supposed to be one of the big NXT signings. And he didn't. He lost like, Walter when he showed up. And that's kind of the last well, I heard of him. Well, Steph, also, there was a whole thing where people knew for like for years. Like Triple H blatantly said it almost like, I love Kushida. Like that was like one of the guys Triple H was like, I fucking love Kushida. That's what I was wondering. So, so, you got him, so why aren't you using him if you like him so much? Yeah, and he's, uh, I don't know, I thought, like, him beating up Dream after the match was somehow supposed to convince us he was, was he supposed to be a heel? Because beating up the accused, uh, Predator is not a way to turn heel. Like, And I mean, being dressed as Marty McFly is also not a heel move. Honestly, I zoned out of the Cruiserweight title match, but, you know, it was fun, the parts I remember. Um, I said, uh, Santos Escobar is the most lazy kingpin McDrug dealer name I've ever heard for a pro wrestler. And uh, Io Shirai is the best women's wrestler they got in NXT easily. Um, Candice LeRae's solid wrestler, too. It was okay. That was fine. Um, main event was awesome. Uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly beat the fuck out of each other. And you know that happened because at the end, Kyle O'Reilly just broke Finn's jaw with a knee. These guys were throwing live rounds, it looked like. You know, this fucking working real stiff. I mean, um, my, my immediate thought watching was, like, Kyle O'Reilly has better striking than CM Punk. Oh, Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly like, he actually does, like, he's a, I don't think he has any, I don't know if he has any pro MMA fights, but I want to say he's got amateur ones, but he's a big grappler, too. He, man, does knee bars and shit as his finisher. You'd hope he knows something. Um, but I was, you know, you knew cool Kyle wasn't going to walk out with that strap. I really thought you know? he was, Bob. And I had you a good reason. To... I thought Finn was going to drop it because I the draft? they're doing a whole draft. Yeah. So you clear the tables to move him back up to like a bigger brand or something. But that was the one part with my head. I'm like, maybe they that'd be the reason. But that'd be so like, it would have been fucking cool as hell. Um, that would have been awesome. And uh, Finn, I, I like heel Finn. A lot of Finn's gimmick is thrusting his dick. Towards the camera. It's low angle shots of Finn from bottom with him thrusting into the camera. And I feel the WWE is just playing into the fact that people, fucking women, 
and gay men love Finn Balor. And they're like, yeah, let's show off the abs. Let's show the whole thing. That's half his gimmick. The other half is finger guns. A lot of finger, a lot of finger guns from Finn Balor. This was the best match he's ever had in the WWE. I thought. Um, when he fought Shinsuke, or wrestled Shinsuke, he was really good too. I mean, look, it was, he was in NXT. They were all great. A lot of great matches. Him and Shinsuke was great. Uh, him and Joe was always good. You know, that's great and all, but I thought this was awesome. This was fucking sick. Um, there was no, you know, he didn't have to be the demon. Not that I don't like the demon, but like whenever the demon wrestles, you're just like, okay, well, demon's putting the shit away eventually and winning. Um, this was excellent. And, uh, you know, Finn's been doing this a long time. And weirdly, you'll hear criticism of that he's kind of lazy sometimes with his matches. Fucking awesome match. I loved it. Um, I want to, the NXT product, I enjoy it. It's my second favorite wrestling product to watch. It's the only other one I enjoy, quite frankly. I find them to be very reactionary in recent months um, because they're losing, you know, ratings-wise. But, like, show is better before that shit, man. I don't need to see a four-way match with all heels that goes an hour to a draw. That's not a good look. And, you know, do the shit that worked before, man. Build to your matches. And this was this was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, that was what I got this week. Steph, what do you got? Um, not too much. Uh, I've been still, I'm continuing on watching Hunter Hunter. Mike, you told me that their magic system was complicated. It is fucking advanced level RPG complicated. Fucking, I just watched an episode where they go over classes. There are, they just straight up call them. These are your classes. And if you're in this class, that skill tree is too far away for you to learn these skills. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Um, the show, it's not bad, but it might have lost me for a little bit. I might need to recover for a minute on that one before I jump back in. Um, but on the K-pop front, um, big news of the week is uh, in their four years, Blackpink finally released their first full-length album. Uh, pick that up. It's just called The Album. And uh, title track off it called Lovesick Girls. Um, it's kind of like an EDM Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cyndi Lauper is what I'd kind of call it, but I like Blackpink. Um, they're probably the biggest girl group in the world right now, K-pop-wise. Um, it's basically them, BTS, and Taylor Swift trading back all the YouTube records nonstop between each other. So, um, yeah, I've just been listening to that. Um have a few shows I'm going to start this week, but I will report back on those after I've actually seen them. Lest I give a full-length review about a show I didn't like, like uh, my good friend Mike over here. Uh, which show are you uh, referring to? I don't remember, so Mike. All I remember is like, no, the show for 10 minutes, <laughs> and then at the end, it dawned on you. He's like, you know what? I didn't actually like it. You know what? I, 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 it wasn't that interesting. <laughs> I, I wouldn't watch it again. I don't know what it was, Mike, but that's all I remember. I, I don't remember either, but it's funny you would say that because I know I often do on stuff we like. Not so much something I like, but something I'll say, I've started watching this. I'll come back with a fuller report the next week, which is exactly what I'm doing this week. Um, Bobby has um, gotten a little annoying with us to watch some shit called Shit Creek. And I have started watching the show. I'm about three episodes in. I'm not sure if I like the show yet or not. So I'm giving it an incomplete so far. It's a stuff I might like. Oh, in relation to that, Mike, because it is related to... I'm like two decades late. Finally watched uh, Best in Show. 
That's a good movie. That is a show I have on my queue because I can't remember which one of you was talking about how great that movie was. Um, so I should wait. Did, did Stefan? Did you, did you break up watching this movie like a week ago? Yeah, when it was I talked about Stephon how much, a week ago. Yeah, Stefan did a week ago when I said that's a great movie, and I said you should all watch fucking Shit's Creek. Yeah, because it exactly is the same type of humor. This is what. Those of you who missed the podcast last week, don't worry. We just summed up some of what happened for you. Don't worry. Hey, this is a, we are a serialized podcast. There is an ongoing story here, Bobby. This is the arc <laughs> of our story. I, I understand all. I mean, Mark and I had a conversation about um, Shit's Creek the other day at the office because he started. you started watching it too. I think you yeah. watched a couple of them. It takes a couple episodes. I mean, I loved it. But for me too, when I got into it, I'm like, I, I watched it from recommendation of a friend and I'm like, they said I would really like this, and I'm like, that's okay. I'm, you know, I'm plugging along here. It's easier when you can, like, you know, uh, binge it a little bit. You can, like, get into a show. Because if it was just one episode, I might have been like, if I was watching it live and it was one episode, I might have been like, ah, fuck this. But I really got into it. So, yeah, I love the show. So I'm excited you guys are giving it a shot uh, so far. Anything else, Mike? Was that it? Um, I rewatched the Remember the Titans over the weekend. It had been a few years since I watched it. And because it had been a few years since I watched it, I cried like a little girl again when uh, Campbell goes and talks to Bertier's mom after the accident. Strong side. So it's left you're side. Not say it's left side then. It's strong. left side then strong. You side. jumped the gun. Well, I don't yeah, care, man. I picked the. Gun, the I said one. You say the other fucking one. Mike, by the way, was watching the greatest television show ever created too. The last couple weeks, you don't want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, I guess I can talk about that a bit. I finished binge watching um, uh, the West Wing again. I do not uh, believe that won our greatest TV show of all time tournament, Bobby. So I don't know what title you are proclaiming. Was it even in it? Honest question. I don't remember if it was even I in it. I don't like, believe it was. I think I know because I would have taken it the whole fucking way and I would have lost immediately. Oh, well, I know that. I mean, <laughs> it's funny you say that because one thing I remember when I started watching it that one of the first things I remember you saying about it was um, it gets a lot worse after the fourth season. It does. It doesn't get like bad because, I mean, there's examples of that when the show falls off a cliff. Dexter. Um but when the cre- when the creator and writer of the show leaves the show, you get like a real change of tone, you know. And it wasn't a bad show going forward, but it was just not as good. But that's my favorite show of all time, folks, is The West Wing. I've watched every episode so many goddamn times. And if you want to, I don't know, if you want to feel optimistic about government, which why would you? That's the show for you. Um, Mark, what you got this week? Yeah, unfortunately, this week and actually the next couple weeks, not a lot coming gaming-wise, which is really upsetting because October used to be just like fall season, just tons of great games coming out, weird uh, year. But I also started watching Shit's Creek, so Mike, allow me to retort. Um, <laughs> honestly, I just want to say that because it's a Pulp Fiction line. Uh, my analysis is very similar to yours, and I'm five more episodes in. Like, I enjoy it. Um, I think it's fun. I've been trying to watch it with Christine, and she, I think she's having a little harder time watching. Because I mean, Christine doesn't like cringe humor, and I think the other problem is a lot of the characters aren't super there to root for. Um, and then our coworker Chris kind of like blew it up for me too, because he's like, he's like, because he started watching it too, and he's like, oh, I like it. He's like, it's basically like the same premise as Arrested Development, and I was like, 
fuck <laughs> you're absolutely right this is almost like key for key the exact same scenario that happened in rest of development switch a few things around um but i've been enjoying it um i did also hear some other people talk about it this week too and they also said that the show starts kind of slow and the guy that was watching actually said like i just jumped to episode 10 in season one and from there on it was a lot stronger um at episode eight right now I, i've been enjoying it but it's i feel about it probably like the way you guys felt about cobra kai it's just very digestible and at times where there's nothing else on my like watch list, it's like, mm, let's just jump back in there and watch a few more. So I've been watching that. I've been enjoying it. And I continue to watch it and you know see if I start enjoying the show more as it gets on to the later seasons. Um, it being October, I have started watching some uh, scary movies. I've watched one on Netflix, and it wasn't particularly great. It wasn't bad. Uh, it was Winchester. I don't know if you guys remember. This came out a couple years ago. It's about the Winchester mansion and about how... Mrs. Winchester basically went insane and started building this crazy house with all these rooms. Uh, essentially, the story is that um, she believed that the souls of people that died from Winchester rifles were haunting her and they would speak to her and she would make a room so that they can like find peace and find, you know, the pathway through the other yada, yada, yada. It's a horror movie. I think overall it's pretty good, except the how they basically resolve the issue at the end, I think is fucking stupid. And I honestly think... I don't know if Winchester still a company that's around that like still sells shit, but I assume they are. And I assume they're rifles. Like, I mean, they, they still make rifles even today. I think they're still out there. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure Yeah, they still do. Okay. So I'm pretty sure they had some hand in how this movie was going to be resolved. <laughs> Did they do it with a brand new model? 1906 Winchester. <laughs> the whole point. Okay. I was going to spoil it. Cause who gives a absolutely point, but the whole point of the movies is like these are all these tormented sores, souls of people that died from the Winchester. And this like woman is like, I'm trying to redeem our family for causing all this death in the world. And the end result is like this ghost is haunting him. He's a very he's a very mean ghost who's like trying to kill them and shit. And the only way they can kill him is this doctor uses a Winchester rifle to shoot his magic bullet, which his girlfriend killed him with earlier on in the movie to shoot this ghost. So it's just like. This whole movie is about like how weapons of destruction are bad and shouldn't be there, and the end result is shoot this ghost with a magic bullet. It was just like, all right, Winchester family. I obviously think they're like, all right, we're going to let you do this movie, but there's a couple notes here we got here. Someone's got to fire fucking Winchester. It's got to be cool as shit, and it's got to solve the problems of the day, and it's just like, all right. You had a decent movie that you just kind of ruined with a, a stupid ending, but overall, it was still fun. It, it kind of reminded me of... Um, the haunting of Hill House, mostly just like it's a haunted house with a bunch of ghosts. In it. <laughs> we got Not that trailer it, this week um, for, haunting for the Blair of Manor. Manor. Yeah, and, and that one I think just got reviews. And what I heard is good performances. Not quite as scary as the um, haunting of Hill House, which is kind of be expected. That was an amazing show that I definitely, if you haven't watched that, I definitely recommend that. But that's it's, all I got this week. Uh, it's based on a different book by a different author. So, the but the same actors, which be, is interesting. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of doing that America horror story thing, right? Because isn't that what they do? Same actors, anthology recasting. Yeah, which is which I think yeah. is an interesting take. Um, it's it's unfortunate that it doesn't seem like this series has the scares but i'm very interested i'll definitely be watching it that comes out on the night too so good good call out there stuff and you threw it out there Mark. We, we we did get the trailer for season three of uh cobra kai um and it answered it gave me some immediate answers to some very significant questions uh, well, uh, i had at the end of season dead? two but um mark hasn't watched it yet so we'll talk about that later and and, and stefan you reminded me because you've been wanting us to play among us and yes. it, it 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 will lead me to a very short rant about 
man, I'm so glad I don't play PC gaming anymore. Because getting fucking Steam on this goddamn computer and then getting Among Us, which is like a 250 megabyte game, to get that to work was so much... It literally took almost all of my Sunday. There's probably eight times I was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to stop playing. I'll tell Stefan it didn't work. Whatever. And then I come back and like, okay, let me try this. I... I got caught in CAPTCHA hell. I couldn't get into Steam. It didn't... <laughs> Bobby, this CAPTCHA shit I had to do was fucking insane. I've never had... So I At one point, I had to do 15 CAPTCHA things. And that stuff is such bullshit. They need to tell me, okay. If you say, click on the squares with the bus. If there's one square that just has, like, just part of a, a tire... Am I counting that or not? I don't know. Caption doesn't tell me shit. But you know what they do tell me? After I do 15 CAPTCHA things, literally, like, I, I, I counted. One time I did 15 different tests. I kept doing them, kept doing them. And it's like, oh, no, you didn't pass. You're not human. You didn't qualify for your humanity. And then I looked it up and it's like, oh, there's just some fucked up stuff with Steam and their CAPTCHA things fucked up and you can't get in. So I was like, I wasted 45. After 30 minutes, I called Christine in. And I was like, I need to get another pair of eyes on this shit because I can't figure this shit out. I've done caption before and passed, but there was some bug. Oh, it was insane. But it just reminded me of how much like, hey, if you, if you like PC gaming, if, if that's your, your digs, like, hey, I'm not here to ruin on your parade. Like, have that. Get your RT 3990s. Spend that grand. Get those frame rates up to 240 frames per second, man. All for it. That is not the game for me because I spent probably five hours downloading a game i'll probably play for two so um you know that was just my little and i know i was probably hitting all kinds of weird hurdles but it just reminded me like man i i, I put in that disc in the ps4 it just plays i don't have to worry about fucking drivers and, that, and that's what it was i didn't have DirectX. after hours and hours i was like uh, i looked at minimum requirements i was like well, i'm missing something because i launched the game and it, nothing, it doesn't tell me oh you're missing DirectX. download that shit I figured it out, got DirectX, it finally worked. I was like, okay, man, PC gaming, thanks, but no now, thanks, man. Mark, don't you feel a sense of accomplishment that you're able That's to figure the thing. that out? Like, I know people that love PC gaming. That's something they get off on. They love getting in there and, and, and tinkering with this and getting their rigs set up and getting those frames per second. And also, like, I get why they need SSDs because I open Steam and that shit's slow as fuck. And that's why you need ultra uh, HD hard drives. The shit's just going so fast. But, Mike, I did. And this is the thing. Is this, It's the same argument they say for, like, Souls games. Like, oh, it's tough. But once you get that accomplishment, man, it doesn't feel good. For me, it feels that good for this much of fucking trouble. If he, and that good was just me pinching my little fingers. I was going to say, this is not a visual medium. I, I thought here. I was expressing through my voice. But it's like, I did. Mike, when it, when it ran, I was like, oh, thank God. But it's the relief of, like, oh, I spent so much fucking time getting this to work. I'm glad I have something to show for my efforts. But it was not like, oh, guys, this was worth it, baby. It was just like. This wasn't worth it, man, but I did it. It's done. So we have we, uh, to play Among Us. I don't give a fuck if I play by myself because I didn't spend all that time getting it to work not to... Especially when I spent the five bucks and it didn't run, I was like, there you go, Steam. You got your five dollars, you thieves. There you go. If we were any... A couple of thoughts here. First, if we were any sense of pop... Had any popularity at all on this internet, someone, we a fan of ours, would take that four or five minutes and Mark just went on a rant. <laughs> we would put it out there, okay? Hey, they got their um, master class and put all the memes out. I don't even want a piece of that cake. Have your 240 frames per second. Good luck to you. I'll stick at fucking 30 
on my PS4, and it's like, oh, the, the snobs are pieces. I was like, oh, how could you? How could you play with frame rates so low? Drops into the twenties, <laughs> you know, with their highfalutin. Go have at it, man, because I'm not downloading any more fucking drivers and figuring this shit out. That's your game. I like that Mark went highfalutin. Also, those of you who ever listened to Ron Funch's uh, comedy album, The Funches of Us, Mark's capture rant made me very much think of that. So no, let's do that. I like it's a good too. It's good. I mean, it's a good uh, comedy album. Mark mentioned memes. Uh, did any of y'all see the most recent episode of The Boys? I have because not. I uh, am. I'll just say. I'm behind. Speaking on. of memes, I'm just gonna say we got Fat Neil in the house, aka Real Neil with the hey. fat Neil. And I was like, oh man, good to see that guy getting work. Nice. Um, I like that. <laughs> nice to see. Dude, that. I. Side note: I started watching not this past episode, the episode before it. And, like, it was, like, ten minutes in, and, like, some gross shit happened, and I'm, like, part of me just, at this point, with that shit on that show, I'm just, like, yeah, man, I get it, right? You, you, you fucking, some head, dude's head blew up. I, you did it again, boys. Way to go. <laughs> like, give me a reason to stick around here, all right? Give me a reason. Anyway, that's a conversation for when we, this show actually ends the season, and we can give our final review of it. And at the moment, mine is not positive. It's not that negative, but it's not positive. Um, is that all of us? Indeed, it is, Bobby. All right, we're done. We're officially. We can close the book. So the important thing here, folks, is really like you know you're gonna watch the fights this weekend. Maybe you know you watch that main event, the co-main event, and maybe you watch the heavyweights. You know you check in about about an hour left on this card. But what's really important for for us here is like Blackpink's just this little group, and we need to push those album sales. So just know, just in the name of this podcast. Go buy that new album, right? It's important. They need the MMA are... fandom. It's not like they get, yeah, exactly. it's not like they get like 100 million views in the first two days. And I thought Stefan was yeah. making it up because it sounded like his K-pop bullshit video game where it's like, oh, the most popular band in the world. They just released their first album. Like, how did that? How the fuck does that work? You don't have an album. That's the whole point. You got to get the album out. They said, you Nobody has albums anymore. It's just singles, everyone just does, everyone just does mini albums because you can pump them out quicker. Three songs at a time. Here's three songs. All you need is a dance routine. And there you go. Have personalities. Go on the shows. All right, guys. Um, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. We're going to preview Korean Zombie. Against Brian Ortega, no one gonna get revenge. Him. I got dibs on Zombie. He, he's gonna get revenge on Brian Ortega because Brian Ortega bitch slapped one of Korean Zombie's friends. K-pop rapper, K-pop rap superstar, K-pop rap superstar named. Help me out, Steph. What was Jay his name? Park. Jay Park. You can't do that to Jay Park. You can't do that to Jay Park. It's not okay. Korean Zombie's gonna show up. Just the sound effects on this podcast this week, folks. That's him slapping Brian Ortega around. Anyway, we're going to talk about that next week. Um, chances are we forgot Bellator. We're going to forget Bellator happened. Though, if Czech Congo kicks a guy in the dick, just send us a message. i like to know what's happening. And if Emmanuel and Newton it, it, shows up out of nowhere, like Bob predicted, um, that would be something to talk about. Let me tell you, in the uncertainty of 2020, Czech Congo kicking somebody in the dick is really just the stability I'm looking for. All right? Just to let me know, it, it's going to be okay. So that's it this week. I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms. That was DJ Mark. Shout out to the guy who invented Capshka. You, you had a rough it's one. It's a real week. asshole. See, see y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah.